Good morning. Good morning. So good to see each and every one of you today. And uh, it's so good to see the team back from the Holy Land. And it's wonderful that we can worship God together. And uh, how many of you know what day is today? Today is Sunday? Yeah, of course, this Sunday. But today is also the first day of December. We have arrived at Christmas. And uh, so today, or rather, today we're going to start an entire series on Christmas. And so without further ado, we want to dive into the Word of God. And so if you have your Bibles with you, would you go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. Matthew, chapter 2 verse 1 to verse 12, and I'm going to read to you from the NIV translation. And Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when he rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magis uh, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the last one. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so this morning, I would like to entitle this morning's message as Follow the Star. Follow the Star. Would you pray with me even as we look to God's Word this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word shows us your plans for us. Your word shows us who you are. Your word shows us what you desire of us as well. And so Holy Spirit, we commit this time to you. We ask that you begin to speak to each and every one of us. The Lord, let our faith be stretched. Let our faith be strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You now, last Monday, my family and I had an opportunity to watch uh, the movie Frozen, Frozen 2. Okay, Frozen 2 just came out and uh, we watched it with a couple of friends. Now, for those of you who have no idea what Frozen is, uh, basically it's an animation by Disney and in summary, it is a story about two uh, women, two ladies, or rather two sisters, you know, Elsa and Anna. And, uh, and these two individuals came into succession uh, for the royal throne after their parents, uh, who were the king and queen of Arendelle, they passed away. 
Now, so of course, uh, in, the, in the show, there's a little bit of drama here and there. And uh, since it is a Disney movie, there is bound to be songs and singing. And uh, from the first movie, from the first Frozen movie, uh, we know the famous song, Let It Go, Let It Go, alright? Okay, we know this song, okay? In the second movie, uh, there's more drama happening uh, between the two sisters. Uh, there are still songs and singing, and I particularly like the song Into the Unknown, alright? Okay, it's a new thing you probably will get to know of it more. Anyway, as we were watching the movie, uh, you know, I was, I was carrying Oliver and Oliver was just sitting on my lap for half the show and uh, Dominic was sitting in between uh, Lee Chen and I. And uh, Dominic was just so into the movie, you know. He was just so engrossed and uh, he was so caught up in the movie. You know, I gave him some biscuit to eat it. And, uh, but he was so intrigued. And he was so focused on the show that he didn't even see what he was eating and he just stuffing things in his mouth with the crumbs all over, you know, dropping everywhere. And, uh, but anyway, the show was rather entertaining and uh, we had a good time. And on the way back, uh, my wife told me that Dominic actually asked her a lot of questions throughout the movie. He wanted to know uh, what's happening at the different scenes, you know. Uh, why is this happening? Why did Elsa do this? Why did she do that, you know? Uh, what are the stone giants doing? Okay, a little bit spoiler there, okay? There's going to be stone giants. And, uh, and he was asking, why are the characters behaving in such a manner? What? Why? How? You know, he has all these questions. And uh, he was just trying to process what was going on uh, with the show. He was trying to engage with the show. He was trying to understand and make sense of what was, or, or, or what was happening in the movie. And I, I found it quite amusing that he was so intrigued by this show, Frozen, you know. And I'm, and I'm sure all of us here, if you have watched movies or you have watched TV series, uh, we have ex experienced being caught up in a movie, you know, being very engrossed in such a show. Now, for myself, the movie that really gets me on my seat, the movie that really gets me engaging and wanting to know more, you know, wanting to know what's going to happen next is uh, the very famous show, The Lord of the Rings, okay? I, I really enjoyed the series and I know Jewel is that, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I probably watched the extended version, which is about a total of 12 hours. I'll probably watch the extended version about more than 10 times already. So that is a minimum of 120 hours given to JRR Token. Now, perhaps for you, uh, it may be other movies that get you engaged and get you wanting to know more. And I was thinking, you know, just as how Dominic uh, was so intrigued by the movie Frozen, and just as how some of us here are intrigued with other movies, and just as how we are engaged with the shows, you know, how we want to know what's going to happen next, you know, how we want to know the entire story of the movie or the show, likewise, we would also like to have a clearer picture of the story of our lives. Now, I would dare to say, we would like to know, if possible, the whole story of our lives. Because if we know what's going to happen in our lives, if we know how the road is going to turn, we can anticipate better. We can be better prepared. We can navigate through the ups and downs in our lives better. And, but the reality is that we also would carry this same perspective, we carry this similar mindset in our relationship with God whether we realize it 
or not. We want to know where God is leading us. We want to know what God wants us to do in our lives. We want to know how our journey in following God is going to end. But but the reality is that that is not how it goes with God. That is not how it goes with the author of our lives. You know, church, at best, we know the ending of our story here on earth. And, And sometimes along the way, we know a little bit of the directions that God gives us and that helps us to navigate better. But in between our life here on earth now till we see our maker face to face, there's a tons of things for us to discover. And it's the same for us. Uh, and it's the same with the birth of Christ. Now for us as observers who are reading the Christmas story in the 21st century, we are reading this 2,000 years later after the story has taken place and we know how things are going to end we, because we have read the whole thing. We know the ending of the Christmas story. We know the outcome. We know how things will turn out. But if we were to place ourselves in the position of the individuals involved in the story, we will realize that there are lots of gaps. There are lots of things missing. There are unclear narratives. In fact, I would say the Christmas story is a little bit foggy. And that's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't just show us who God is, but it also shows us the lives of the individuals whom we can learn from. And I pray that this morning that it will help us understand our own personal stories better. And so this morning, We're going to dissect this passage a little bit. And this morning, I'm going to do a little bit more teaching today. Is that okay? Yeah? And and you know, church, you know, whenever we read the Bible, whenever we read the Word of God, uh, one tip for us is that we should often ask ourselves, how does this apply to our life? How does this passage make sense to us? You know, what can we learn from it? Or rather, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Now, This is easier done when it comes to passages in the Bible which are straightforward. And uh, what do I mean by that? Well, it simply means passages which we can easily see the principles behind the message. Uh, You know, say for, for instance, the Great Commission found in Matthew 28 verse 19. It says this, Go and make disciples of all nations. The underlying principle is very clear, okay? Go and make disciples. It didn't say go and make converts. No, it says go and make disciples. You know, that's that. You know, we don't have to second guess what the passage is trying to say to us. But for narratives, for stories such as the one we read this morning, we have to pay a little bit more attention to other things such as the characters that are introduced in it. So in Matthew chapter 2, who do we have? Firstly, we have King Herod. We have King Herod. And what do we know? What do we know about King Herod? Well, personally, if you ask me, I I don't know much about King Herod, but Google has much to say. And we have a picture of King Herod also on the screen, okay? Okay. Uh, Now, this is how King Herod supposedly looked like. Supposedly, okay? This is how he supposedly looked like. And, um, and, King Herod was known as Herod the Great. 
He wasn't just known as King Herod, he was known as Herod the Great. And scholars say that indeed he was a great king. He was a great ruler, he was great in wealth, he was politically gifted, he was an excellent builder of infrastructures. In fact, uh, it's recorded in history for us that he even tackled a famine that plagued the land of Judea. Now, mind you, King Herod wasn't a Jew, but Rome, the Roman Empire, placed him as a vassal king, and he was an excellent administrator for them. So indeed, Herod was great. You know, he lived up to that name. He lived up to the name Herod the Great. But King Herod was also called Herod the Great because of his great cruelty. Because of his great cruelty. Herod loved power. He was power hungry. In fact, I would say he was power crazy. And in his last years, he suffered extreme paranoia. Uh, he had fits of rage, he had fits of jealousy that led him to kill even his close associates. You know, there's a saying about him that it is safer to be King Herod's pig than King Herod's son. You know, and uh, in fact, this guy, King Herod, he was so paranoid about people wanting to overthrow him that King Herod, he slaughtered 300 of his cabinet ministers. Wow, 300 of his cabinet ministers. He murdered his wife. He murdered his mother-in-law. Uh, and uh, he killed three of his sons as well. Wow, super paranoid, crazy king. Okay? Now, this is recorded for us in history. You can go and Google it up. And uh, so, uh, here in this story, in Matthew chapter 2, we have a mad king. Okay? And uh, secondly, we are also introduced to another group of people. We are introduced to the chief priests and teachers of the law. And chief priests are often used interchangeably with the term high priests. Uh, they worked in the Jewish temple, but their position was more political than religious. Okay? The, re the teachers of the law were also known as scribes. Their work uh, was not so much as copying the Old Testament, but rather teaching the Old Testament to people. And so here, we have a very interesting bunch of people. And we will come to it a little bit later on. And the final group of individuals that I want to highlight here in this passage are the Magi. Are the Magi. And the Magi were also known as wise men. Now, would anyone like to take a guess how many wise men were there that day? Just shout, shout out a number. Three? Okay. If you have answered three, congratulations, you have been successfully conditioned by the song We Three Kings of Orion Fire. Okay, you have been conditioned very well. Huh? And uh, no, probably because also the wise men uh, presented three gifts to baby Jesus. And so we would assume that one wise man brought one gift, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, I don't have the exact figure, but scholars estimated for us that there were about 100 wise men in that, that, who, that were present that day. And the wise men did not travel in groups of three, but they would, they would tr always travel in large groups of people. And the wise men were definitely not kings like the song suggests. You know, we three kings. No, 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 it's not that. Okay? The wise men, the magi, they were astronomers. They studied the stars. They were men of science. They dealt with chemistry. They dealt with nature. And they most probably came about from the Chaldean nation, which was Babylon, which later came under the Persian Empire. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that Daniel 
was put in charge of the Magi during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so it would not be a surprise for us as to why the wise men, why the Magi would be on the lookout for the birth of Christ. Because this would be definitely something that Daniel would have passed on in his training and teaching to the people under him. Alright? And so, are you all following along? We have, the, we have three individuals, right? We have King Herod, we have the chief priests and teachers of law, and of course now we have the Magi. Now we have all the characters in place, and connecting them together was baby Jesus, was the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ was a huge surprise that was thrown into the picture. And this started through the star in the sky, which pointed the way to Jesus. And the birth of Christ created different reactions from the various characters mentioned. And, I, and church, I would say that it is the same with us today. The stepping of Christ into our world, the stepping of Christ into our lives creates different reactions and responses. And all of us this morning, we are given a choice to respond accordingly about following Jesus. We could respond like King Herod, option one. He responded, King Herod responded with such hostility towards Jesus. He haven't even met Jesus, but he already wanted to kill him. You know, for King Herod, there can only be one king, himself. If any other chiku would claim to be king, they have to be cut off, you know. And we could respond in that manner to Jesus, just like King Herod. When Jesus enters into our lives, Jesus wants to rule and reign. There cannot be two kings. It's either Jesus or us. It's either His way or our way. It's either His thoughts or our thoughts. There cannot be two masters in our lives. So option one, we could respond like King Herod towards Jesus. We could respond with hostility. Or option two, we could respond like the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And they responded rather indifferently towards Jesus. As I said earlier on, this is a very interesting group of people because these were a group of individuals who knew the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. They knew the teachings concerning the birth of Christ. They were very familiar with stories concerning the Savior of the world. In fact, in the passage that we read in Matthew chapter 2, they could even tell King Herod where to find Jesus, you know, in verse 5. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea. But strangely enough, why didn't they went to look for the Messiah themselves since they knew where to find Him? Have you ever thought of that? Why didn't the, this group of people, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, went and look for the Messiah themselves if they already knew all the signs about Jesus. Even the, yeah, why, why? And I was thinking, you know, most likely, high chance they didn't want to risk it. You know, as of then, they were enjoying the nice, their nice positions as chief priests and teachers of the law. They were in the good graces of the mad King Herod. You know, they were comfortable. They didn't want to rock the boat. Because who knows? If they went to look for the Messiah, they'd probably be off with their head. So they chose to be indifferent about it. They chose not to do anything about it. And church, 
this morning, we could respond in that same manner, just like the chief priests and teachers of the law, being indifferent about following Jesus. We don't want to risk it because we know following Jesus is risky. It demands us to deny ourselves. It calls to us to die to ourselves, in fact, and to take up our cross. So better to be indifferent. Yeah, 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 we know about Jesus. Yeah, we know what He says in the Word of God. Yeah, we know what Jesus wants of me. But you know what? That's that. Itu sahaja. Option two. Being indifferent. Or we could choose option three. To respond like the third group, the Magi. And the Magi has three things to teach us this morning. As they followed the star, we learn from the Magi that number one, following Jesus is active. Following Jesus is active. Everybody say with me, active. Following Jesus is not just about looking, it is about doing something. It's about being involved. It's not a bystander show. You know, the, the Magi, they were not satisfied with just looking at that bright star and admiring it. They did something about it. They set out and they followed the star. They came all the way from the east. They searched high and they searched low for Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 tells us this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when he rose and have come to worship him. They were not just spectators, but they were participants in it. They were not just spectators, they were active in it. Now, church, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that following Jesus is about a checklist of do's and don'ts. Come on, church. It is never, ever, ever about a to-do list. Because if we were to do that, our relationship with God has turned to legalism. And that's not what God desires of us. But all I'm saying is this. If we decided to follow Jesus in our lives, we got to be active participants. We cannot sit down and pay sui, you know? That job is already taken by the ornament on the Christmas tree. Huh? Turn to the person beside you and tell them, don't pay sui. Huh? Don't look, sit around and look pretty, okay? Now, James chapter 2, verse 26. Can we all read this together at the count of three? One, two, three. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without this is dead. Wow, faith without deeds is dead. For us to fully live the lives that God desires us to live, we got to be active participants in our walk with God. We can no longer be dormant. We can no longer be nominal Christians. In fact, I would dare to say that there is no such thing as a nominal Christian. It is either we are living as His disciples or we are not. There is no middle ground. And I truly believe if we are active participants in following Jesus, our lives get way more interesting and it gets more exciting. But it doesn't mean that life suddenly becomes you know, bombastic, you know, filled with lots of hype and all. No, of course not. A life with Jesus is one of an adventure. Our journey with Jesus in it, our journey with the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, makes us want to know more makes us sit at the edge 
of our lives and want to get engaged actively in it. Life is no longer just a set of routines. It is no longer just a Monday to Friday grind at the office or at schools or colleges or even at home. We begin to see the world with fresh eyes. Our eyes are filled with awe and wonder at God and at His creation. We are open to the needs of the people around us. We, 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 our heart breaks for what breaks His heart. We begin to realize that we are called to be His witnesses in our world. That you and I, we are His apostles, we are His prophets, we are His pastors, we are His teachers, we are His evangelists, and wherever God has called us in our lives. If you are working in an engineering firm, you may be called to be an evangelist through your career as an engineer in that firm. If you are working in a bank, you may be called to be a teacher through your job as an accountant in that bank. If you are a lawyer, you may be called to be an apostle to stand up for injustices. You know, some time back, I was having a conversation with a young adult who was working with one of the big fours uh, in KL. And this young adult, I know her to be an, one individual who loves Jesus and she always desires to do His will in her life. And uh, she was just sharing with me the other day that on one morning in her office, she was just praying and she was just asking God to lead her in her workplace uh, so that she can be a positive influence, you know, uh, to be a witness for Him and all that. And almost immediately after she prayed that, the Holy Spirit nudged her heart. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit prompted her heart to speak to a particular colleague, okay? And the young adult was just telling me that she was feeling very doubtful. Firstly, uh, the colleague uh, is of our cousin's faith, okay? You, you hope you understand that. And secondly, she and her colleague didn't really have anything in common, you know? There's no common ground. They hardly even talk, in fact, uh, in, in the workplace. And thirdly, the only time uh, they could talk was during lunchtime because of the nature of their job. And particularly for that day, that young adult has already pre-packed her lunch because she intended to work through during her lunch time. So it didn't really make sense to her to go to speak to this individual colleague of hers. But the prompting of the Holy Spirit was so strong and the young adult keep on resting keep on wrestling with it, you know, to speak with a friend or not, you know, to speak, not to speak, to speak, not to speak. Um, and, but anyway, in the end, she decided, okay, you know, she would just go ahead, she would ask her colleague out for lunch and, you know, see what happens next. And so she did and came lunchtime, uh, you know, they started chatting and talking and the conversation actually went quite deep and out of that conversation, she had the opportunity to pray with her friend whom she would not have a chance to do so if she did not heed the prompting of the Holy Spirit or if she wasn't active in her faith, so to speak. My question for all of us today is, what is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do today? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? What is He guiding you to do? And church, Whatever it is, you know, with the wisdom that He gives us, with His Word anchoring us, with the godly counsel that He has surrounded us with, and with the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, can I encourage all of us to just do it? Nike got it right. 
just do it. Come on, turn to the person beside you and tell them, just do it. And church, as our lives unfold, as we follow Christ, we can know with full assurance that we are in the center of God's will for our lives. So number one, the Magi shows us that following Jesus is active. Number two, the second response that we can learn from them in following Jesus is that we persevere in our pursuit of Christ. We persevere in our pursuit of Christ. Everybody say we persevere. Now, the word perseverance means we persist. You know, we have that determination, we purpose in our hearts that we want to pursue God even in times of hardship. Even in times that are challenging and difficult, we persevere in our walk with God. The Magi persevered in their search and in following the star. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This group of people, the Magi, they came all the way from the east. They went through much hardship, you know, searching in Jerusalem and not finding Jesus there. And again, another round of searching, they went to Bethlehem. Wow. Now, mind you, in those days, there are no such thing as cars, okay? Uh, probably camels, yes, probably a lot. Uh, probably bullock carts, yes, uh, but no cars. So traveling can be a little bit tiresome. What more searching for baby Jesus? And the Magi teaches us that in our walk with God, we persevere. Life is definitely full of challenges. We all know this. No one has ever said that life will be smooth sailing. But in life, we continue to hang on to God. We continue to cling on to Him. We continue to press on. We continue to persevere. Perseverance means clinging on, hanging on to God in times of hardship. Perseverance also means that we need to be patient with God's timing. We need to trust in His timing. We need to trust in His leading with His dealing in each and every one of us. You know, from the time of Daniel, you know, this is the same Daniel from the Old Testament, the same Daniel in the lion's den. From the time of Daniel to the birth of Christ, it was about 500 to 600 years apart. So for about 500 to 600 years, the Magi has been taught to be on the lookout for the Messiah. Now, imagine with me, how would the Magi feel? Because it's really a long time to wait for somebody, you know, 500 to 600 years. But the Magi were always on the lookout. They waited patiently. You know, if, even after different empires came and ruled the land, they still waited. They passed on the knowledge about the Messiah to the next generation of Magi. They persevered. And church, you and I, we live in a time of instant gratification. Instant gratification has conditioned us to want things immediately. We have almost forgotten what it is to wait. 
know, say for example, it used to be in the past when we send a text message to someone, we can wait up to a week to wait for them to respond to us. But now, if we send a WhatsApp to somebody, we would usually expect that individual to reply us almost immediately. If not, at least within 24 hours, yeah? And if that person doesn't reply us within two days, we would get agitated, you know, we get irritated as to why that person is not replying, you know. Our mind would be thinking, ayo, that individual has no data. Or maybe that person has gone to an ulu kampong that has no Wi-Fi, you know. And uh, another example would be, if we want to watch TV series nowadays, you know, uh, whether is it Korean drama or whatever it is, lah, huh? uh, we don't have to wait for the entire TV show to come, for the TV show to come out once a week, you know, just like how in the past, if we are in a TV series, we have to wait one week after another week for the TV show to come out. We can now binge watch the entire series and access it on our devices whenever we want. We don't have to wait for it. Wow. If you want to buy something, we just go to Lazada. Huh? We go to Shopee and just click, 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 click. And the ne next thing you know, the item comes to you. Huh? And uh, if we go to uh, McDonald's now, now they even have that machine. You just key in, da -da 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 -da, and then you wait about five minutes, the food will be ready. If the food comes in 15 minutes, wow, you're thinking this is no longer fast food. This is just normal food. Okay? And, and so, uh, instant gratification. It has influenced us to become a society that is less patient and more demanding. Whether we are aware of it or not, it has even crept into all areas of our lives, including our relationship with one another and definitely our relationship with God. I wonder today, church, how many of us are patient with God's dealing and leading in our lives? I wonder how many of us can say that we are patient with God's unfolding of His direction in our lives. And if I can be honest with you this morning, you know, at times, I can get rather impatient with God's leading and direction. You know, at times, I would say, God, I want to know what you want me to do. And I want to know today. Wow. Bless me now. Make me more loving now. Make me more patient now. That's an oxymoron, you know. But church, it takes time for us to mature and to grow in our walk with God. It is not instantaneous. We don't instantly become people who are full of faith. We don't instantly become people who are full of grace. Just as how a plant takes time to grow, just as how it has to grow through seasons of pruning, Likewise, it takes time for us to grow and mature as we follow Christ and as He shapes and as He molds us. We trust in the process. We put our trust in the One who is working behind the process of shaping and molding us. So church, next time, if someone is impatient with you, you just tell them, uh, hold on brother, hold on sister, I'm a work in progress. Huh? I'm a work in progress. Come on to the beside you and tell them, we are a work in progress. We are works in progress. And as we pursue God, perseverance is a vital ingredient. We know following Jesus 
is active. We are active participants. We are not bystanders. We persevere in following Him. And thirdly, the third point and the last one, the Magi showed us that there is an urgency to worship Him. There is an urgency to worship Him. Everybody say to me, urgency. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, even as I asked the worship team to come. On coming to the house, the ma- they, the Magi, saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When the Magi arrived at the destination the star had led them to, they entered into the place, into the house, and when they entered in, they bowed down and worshipped Him. They didn't wait to worship Him later. The Bible tells us, on coming to the house, they bowed down and worshipped Him. They didn't say, Oh, Mary, oh, Joseph, we have travelled a long distance. Ayo, we need to rest. Lah. I worship you to worship Jesus tomorrow. Lah. Tomorrow, okay? Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Come on. It was there and then they worshipped Jesus. They had a sense of urgency to worship Him now and not wait until later. And when the Magi worshipped Jesus, it was to give something. It wasn't just empty adoration. And for us today, there is also an urgency to worship God. Not because we are running out of time here on earth, but because Jesus is truly worthy of our worship. No one else, nothing else come close to that level of worthiness. The Magi gave Jesus three things. They gave Him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And scholars say, that each of these gifts had meaning. Gold speaks of royalty, frankincense speaks of divinity, and myrrh speaks of death. In other words, the Magi was saying, Jesus is king. Jesus is prophet. Divinity. The prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God. He's a herald of God. And last one, Jesus is priest. In the, in the Old Testament culture, priest was the one who had to symbolize the animal, to sacrifice the animal, to make atonement on behalf of the people so that they can get right with God. So the Magi was saying, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And so church, worship aligns us back to who God is. Worship brings us back to the right perspective of who God is. Worship reminds us who is the author and finisher of our faith, which is Jesus. And Jesus is worthy for you and I to be active participants in our walk with Him. Jesus is worthy for you and I to persevere, to trust Him, to rely on Him, to cling on to Him, to wait upon Him in all areas of our lives. 
and Jesus. He is worthy for you and I to risk it all, to follow Him all the days of our lives. And so this morning, church, even as we are entering into the Christmas season, let us be reminded that Jesus is the reason why we celebrate. It is not the fancy gifts, it is not the lightings, it's not the tree. It's not even the food. I know the food is going to be delicious in your parties and events. But Jesus is the reason for this season. And so church this morning, like the Magi, let us come before God and say, God, we worship you. God, we adore you. God, we want to say that you are worthy, worthy of all our praise. And let our lives speak of His worthiness. Amen.